Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the Holtcast. Chad Grimsey alongside Robert Lintot, as always, for 7500toholt.com. And there actually is some new news on the new ownership front. Uh, apparently, former Arsenal captain Tony Adams is said to be building a consortium to buy Aston Villa. Robert, you just wrote about it. What do you make of it? Yeah, this news came out this morning. Um, Mark Kleinman of Sky News, who's not a Sky News sports reporter, um, actually reporting that Tony Adams, the former Arsenal defender and former Arsenal captain uh, who played with the Gunners from 83 to 2002, uh, is apparently trying to get the funding necessary to buy Villa. He's partnered uh, with Paul Smith, I believe his name was, a former Chelsea executive and IMG sports agency executive. And together they are currently looking for investors to get 75 million and then taking out debt for the further 75 million to get to their 150 million pounds to buy Aston Villa. Um, and like every other takeover rumor, take it with a giant pinch of salt, but Kleinman's report contained so many details and was so well reported that I'm actually inclined to believe this a little bit. Yeah, I think they still would need another big investor because that's kind of scary that they'd be undertaking 75 million of debt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's more in debt than what Randy Lerner originally paid for the club. Yeah, um, which, I mean, that's that's just not good based on what are you going to, how are you going to bring players in? You yeah. Know, are you going to, yeah, there are other, going to rely on TV money to bail the club out of debt and ride it in 17th again for a few more seasons? I mean, to be fair, if they can stick in the Premier League, that TV money will bail them out of that debt pretty quickly. That's true, but I mean, how I don't know how you're going to be able to sustain playing in the Premier League with without buying any new players. Yeah, the company that they created called Halo um, is apparently also looking at investing in other clubs like Internacional and uh, Sporting Lisbon. Um, so it, it, the details are a little bit hazy, and while I'm inclined to believe Kleinman's report right now, um, even if you take it at its word, uh, at this point, it's just the two men are in sort of the let's try to get money phases. This doesn't appear to be a move that's going to happen tomorrow or next week or maybe even before the FA Cup final with Arsenal. Um, this seems very much like one of those things like let's see if we can get money. And I think there's a pretty good chance that this all falls through because right now the finances don't seem to make a lot of sense. No, not at all. Um, maybe more sense than Roy Keane actually is making, though. <laughs> Attaboy, I like that segue right there. Uh, Roy Keane trying to flog sales for the revision of his book that only came out, what, five months ago? Yeah, already already um, trying to flog that book again because it sucked, because he's an idiot. Yeah, and now he's talking trash about Aston Villa. Uh, you know... You and I were just talking beforehand. You were saying he's like our own version of Jose Mourinho. Yeah, it's like you you hate him, but unless unless he's yours. Yeah, when when he was with Villa, I think we all kind of loved Roy Keane because he was an asshole. When Villa needed that sort of asshole persona, but now that he's not with Villa, he's just back to being an asshole again. I think once he shaved the beard, really, that's when it went downhill. <laughs> Shave the beard, quit on the team. Um, Really appropriate that he went to join Martin O'Neill by quitting on Aston Villa. Yeah, just and just so he could sell some books, probably, really. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the complaints he's making are just hilarious in hindsight. He's bitching about the fact that the players couldn't score. Uh, what was it? His line was something like, the players couldn't even finish their dinner. 
Yeah, it's basically just like Redknapp with their invent. Oh, my, my missus could have finished that one. Yeah, exactly, right? And kvetching about the fact that the players couldn't score, but as I pointed out in the little thing I wrote, since Tim Sherwood has arrived, the players can score very easily and at will, seemingly, um, which makes us think the one changing variable here is the coaching staff. So, Rakeen, uh, those players that couldn't score couldn't score under you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you, Lambert, whoever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also said that Aston Villa are a tired club and a tired brand, which is interesting because that's how I described Roy Keane. Yeah. Tired uh, man, tired, tired brand. Everyone's, no one's buying your book. Yeah, and everyone's tired of hearing from you, Roy. Uh, so kindly F off. Yeah, basically. I think, <laughs> I think that's how it can be summed up pretty easily because, yeah, Sherwood's got us scoring goals. Yeah, absolutely. And boy, did those goals work over the weekend. Yeah, um, and we're just going to gonna talk about the Everton match a bit. And really, I guess I'll jump to the third goal. When Cleverly, Cleverly got that, I was like, wow, that really is a massive goal. Because obviously, as we saw late in the day, well, I mean, I guess we could have predicted something like that happened because Clattenburg was bad. Yeah, absolutely. Clattenburg was having a terrible day officiating, but that... Uh, I think you're right to jump to the Cleverly goal because it was it was one of the best goals we've seen from Aston Villa this season. It really was, and not to discredit Benteke's two goals because, I mean, his first towering header, great finish, and his second from the set piece, another great delivery from Grealish. And, and, and another great finish from Benteke. I think that finish yeah. was much harder than it looked. Oh, without doubt. He made it look ridiculously easy and... And he was sprinting and almost falling over. He he struck it going away from himself because he was sort of off balance from getting around those Everton players. And and yet, you know, the fact that it looked like he was about to fall over, he didn't show that in the finish at all. Yeah, just to be able to get a touch on it, really. And But anyways, we'll go, go back to Cleverly. Um, I mean, Bakuna, perfect pass. Yeah, absolutely. And good on him to see that that was opening up, too. Yeah, and, I mean, the run that Cleverly made. Yeah, so it all begins, uh, Ashley Westwood gets the ball right in the central midfield. Ashley Westwood, who had a spectacular day, by the way, uh, gets the ball in the central midfield and passes it over to Bakuna. And then you see up front Charles Nzogbia making a run off to the right flank. And I think Charles Nzogbia thought he was probably going to get the ball, but what he does is he draws one of the Everton defenders with him and Tom Cleverly looks up, and suddenly there is no one between him and Tim Howard with a third of the pitch left. And he just, you know, puts his head down and begins a sprint that Bakuna manages to see. And, yeah, in the finish, I think everyone was surprised, honestly. Yeah. Howard, I, Cleverly himself, everyone in the hole. Because it wasn't, it wasn't an easy ball to finish. He had to sort of curl that around Howard and into the top of the net. Yeah, it was it was a great strike. And two goals and two now for him, a lot of confidence. And like you were just saying before the pod, the way he celebrated. Yeah, he's he's very clearly a player who is happy here at Villa. Um, at you know, if he's a player that was so dead set on going to Everton, as all the reports would have you believe, um, I'm not sure he would have celebrated that much against Everton. No, I don't think so. And now under Sherwood, really, he's got a renewed lease on life. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he he's looked really good. Um, as the guys on the Aston Villa Review pointed out, and as anyone who watched the match pointed out, um, that midfield trio of Grealish, Cleverly, and Delph, uh, if you could give the Man of the Match award to something that wasn't just a player, you give it to that trio. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the combination play and attack really now – with Grealish, Grealish able to roam centrally with those guys. Like, I mean, we know Delph can make forward runs and open up a defense, but now we saw that from Cleverly. Yeah, absolutely. And Delph is currently playing the best football of his life. Without a doubt. Really really showing why he deserves the armband. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's looking absolutely incredible lately. Um, you know, and credit, like I said, should be given to Ashley Westwood, who played – the role that we want to see Carlos Sanchez playing, but he played it way better than Sanchez does. Much more poise on and off the ball. Yeah, and having I think having the three guys in central midfield instead of two, like like what we saw against Man City with Westwood and Sanchez, it's I think it's hard for them both to to play together. Yeah, agreed. Um, because they're they're supposed to be doing similar things, and they both have such different approaches to how they achieve those goals. Yeah, and. I mean, it's not to say I, I don't want Sanchez around. He's great to have someone as a sub. If you need someone really to come on and who's more physical or, or to start the game, you know, maybe he's going to get booked and then you sub him off. Yeah, absolutely. He's, yeah, I still want to see him doing well. I know a lot of Villa fans are starting to give up on him um, because he, he doesn't look settled when he plays. He makes bad decisions. He tries to do too much. Um, he tries to play beyond his role right now. Um, but that said, I think that's stuff that can be learned and stuff that can be taught. I haven't given up on Sanchez at all yet. No, I mean, it's still still his first season in England. A lot of things, or a lot of a lot of times it can, it can take a little bit of time to adjust. Yeah, absolutely. And I think elsewhere it's a sign of what Benteke has been doing lately that the two of us were just totally okay passing over his two goals. Like, yeah, that's what he's going to do. He's going to put in two. Yeah, I mean, you know he's, he's at least going to get you one these days. Yeah, it's, it's an absolutely ludicrous run of form. Um, I think he has an argument to be made uh, to have been the player of the month in April in the Premier League. I, th- I think so for sure. And, I mean, really, you look at what he did. He, if he wasn't there against QPR, maybe we'd be going down. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're on 32 points instead of – or we're on, sorry, 34 points instead of 35 um, you know, and, and suddenly much more in the crap. Um, the really interesting thing to me is that this team as a whole is playing incredibly well right now. You know, Kieran Richardson is not a skilled left back. He's, he's actually probably below average at that position, but his weaknesses aren't being exposed because that pressure is being distributed pretty well across the entire pitch. Yeah, and Vlar and Akora are playing pretty well together too. Yeah, absolutely. They're starting to find a rhythm. Um, you know, there's there's plenty there. And, and I was just amazed re-watching the match on Monday morning that, you know, Kieran Richardson is not great, and yet you really don't notice him that much during the match because he's not put in a position to fail. He's put in a position to exploit his strengths. Yeah, and, and I think also with, with Grealish on that left side, some of the attacks that are going a little more down that left wing 
sometimes go through him. On the right, though, you have Bakuna going forward, and he's he really offers a lot. And I think Sherwood Sherwood likes fullbacks who can get forward, and he prefers Richardson, I guess. So I think we're going to keep seeing him. But Bakuna and, and really, at this point, I'm okay with it because it's working. I mean, it's you know, it's and it's working against good opposition. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if the if the team has good chemistry and is playing well together, it's stupid to change it up. Yeah, absolutely. What I'd like to see in the offseason is uh, maybe a left back in the Bakuna mold. Bakuna is not the greatest defender, but neither is he a total train wreck in defense either. And he's so good at getting forward and providing crosses and assisting and creating something. If we could get something like that in the left back position, someone who is not as much of a liability in defense as Kieran Richardson is. I think we could, you know, do pretty well. Yeah, and the thing with Bakuna is he has the pace to get back. Yeah. I mean, we saw him go forward, what, a couple games ago, and Delph was filling in at right back. Mm -hmm. But um, but that was okay. I mean, as long as someone realizes that and the team can adjust, it's okay that players have a little more creative freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, guess, I guess Richardson has had a couple goal line clearances that – have been important. Yeah, it's true. And and you know, he's he's been getting better in the role. When he first got into that left back role, people just kept attacking him and exploiting him. And you're not seeing that as much. And argue what you will, Everton were playing like junk, Martinez didn't do very well with him. Premier League teams are not stupid. If someone is way out of their depth, they're going to attack that position. Yeah, I mean if as long as they have someone available, maybe maybe this week I mean, we'll get to it in a bit, but maybe we'll see Downing. We'll see them playing it a lot to Downing to try to um, take advantage of Richardson. But have they been playing Downing on the right side? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, that's uh, to to take one from the Aston Villa review. We don't watch West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, my second favorite line of this week's episode after Darren Bente. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about him as well later, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, still on, on Benteke, he won the Battle of the Belgians against Lukaku. Lukaku was good, and, I mean, they, were, they both were on our match poster. L Lukaku was okay in the second half. Lukaku was hot mess in the first half. Yeah, he, he was bad in the first half. But, yeah, he had, a, he had a good run that resulted in Everton getting that penalty. Mm -hmm. which... And I, I think we should talk about those two Villa goals because – or the two goals allowed, rather, because they're both the same thing we've been seeing for the past month, stupid goals. Yeah, very preventable. I mean, the first one, it was just like too many people were almost trying too hard. And none of them clearing the damn ball. Yeah. I I get that we have a team that can actually maintain possession now, but when you're in the box and there are five other, you know, five opposition players in the box, stop trying to play it out. Just clear it. Yeah, I think I think maybe Sherwood needs to make a point of that is okay, clear it to midfield, we'll win it back. Yeah, I mean the foul if if that foul were given against Aston Villa, I'd say or you know, if it weren't given to Villa, I would be a little irritated. It it might have been a soft penalty, but I have no problem with that being a penalty. It was stupid. No, it, it wasn't a dive or anything. It wasn't horrendous, you know, and I don't know. It was a tangle of legs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, there was nothing egregious about that penalty being given. The second goal, um, you know, really obviously a foul on Shea Given there. 
Um, so I'm not putting that, that goal on given, nor am I saying it's entirely the worst goal we've ever given up. But how do you not clear that ball out, too? Yeah, that that's one that needed to be cleared, too. And, I mean, it was really late in the day, kind of garbage time, but it is one one in the goal difference that you would like to have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, especially with, you know, Hull getting destroyed by Arsenal this week. Um, you know, goal difference suddenly looked like it might actually matter again. Yeah, especially, I mean, now we're ahead of Newcastle by three goals, too, and mm -hmm. as they just keep losing eight in a row for them now. Yeah. So, you, I mean, yeah, you would have liked to have seen that. It's hard to be too mad because I think there definitely was a foul against Given on that, on that second goal. Yeah, and, I mean, maybe, obviously, he's not as physical as Guzan. Yeah. But, I mean, Mark tough. Kattenberg had one of the worst days I can remember. And Kattenberg's usually a really good ref. Yeah, but good God, he was bad. Um, you know, the first half, you just saw so many so many fouls against Villa go uncalled. Um, and I, I, I promise I'm loath to be one of those people that blames things on the ref. But, dear God, there were so many things that should have been called that never were. Yeah, like Grealish was fouled five times, but it could have been, I don't know, but probably eight. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure why McCarthy was still on the pitch at the end of the game. Um, it took a while for any Everton players to go into the book. Yeah, 73rd minute. 73 minutes to get a yeah. yellow on a match that was very clearly them uh, brutalizing Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, was a, it was a poor showing from Clattenburg. If I have any complaint about the penalty, it's the fact that it was, you know, after an entire half plus of watching Everton just do whatever they wanted to Villa, and Villa make one mistake and suddenly it's a penalty. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's just what, I guess, is more annoying about it than anything, but mm -hmm. it, it's just the way that Villa have been conceding lately. And it's, yeah. I don't know, maybe. The good news is this wasn't a match where a poor officiating decision cost us, unlike possibly uh, Manchester City with that incorrect offside call against Benteke. Yeah, exactly, because, I mean... That was that was like a double whammy, really. No penalty and Johar not being sent off, mm -hmm. which would have ensured the win. And I mean, we were just looking at the table a little bit, so I I guess we can move. On. Do you wanna wanna move on from Everton? I just quickly we should say, uh, Given did a nice job. Do you expect to see Guzan back? No, I don't think so. I mean, he was close to saving the penalty. I thought. Yeah, he was just just stretch a little bit more. I think he could have saved it, but I, his momentum was going the wrong way. But he had a decent game. Um, the one thing that I really enjoyed about Given is, oh God, I don't know. There was a sense of calm from having him there. He he was very poised, again, to use that word. He was very poised on the ball and poised charging to the ball. Yeah, um, I think so. And, and his distribution wasn't the best, but I think it was... I mean, I don't know, probably close to close to Guzan. Yeah, absolutely. And and he he had a lot more confidence and seemed much more in charge in the box than Guzan has lately. Yeah, um, maybe maybe that's why he hasn't had to face a lot of shots because like against Liverpool and in the cup and then against Everton, didn't really have a lot to do. But maybe yeah. that's because he organizes the defense better. Yeah, it's true. Um there was one moment I can't even remember who sent it in. Uh, Everton sent a ball towards the box from about the halfway line. And when the camera pans over, 
given is already almost at the 18-yard line to catch it um, rather than waiting back. And and just he had made that decision the moment the ball was kicked. He, yeah. You know, this is my ball to catch and caught it perfectly. And it's that kind of confidence that that made me feel much more comfortable. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with either of them, and I think that's really what's important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not as if given – was or excuse me, as if Guzan was a disaster. No, even if I mean he had one bad game, really. He had one bad half. Really. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, and so yeah, I, it's it's not the end of the world, but yeah, good on Given. Uh, I think we see him for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. Maybe even probably even the Cup final. Yeah, I I would anticipate he gets the Cup final. Brad Guzan secretly praying that Given gets injured. <laughs> Just for the Cup final. Yeah. Yeah, he, he wants to finally have his Wembley moment. But, yeah, like like we were saying, if we would have taken even a point against Manchester City, I think we would almost be secure as far as survival goes. Be on 36 yeah. points. And really, it's really starting, starting to look grim at the bottom for a hole. At least Sunderland have four games left, but they're not easy games. So, I mean, you, you just did your big relegation odds post, so I'll let you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I did the maths, yeah. uh, the plural maths. The maths. Um, <laughs> the mathematics, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we, we got comments on my use of math from a bunch of math holes. Um, but, yeah, what we saw this weekend was essentially Burnley and QPR are dead. They, they have to win out uh, to have it's any no, chance of survival. They can only get to 17th, really. Yeah, um, and and I don't see that happening. QPR could technically, let's see, QPR could win out and end up with uh, 36 points. So if everyone else lost out, QPR could climb all the way to 14. Um, but that relies on everyone else losing out and QPR winning out, which is not happening because um, they're, they're a mess. So essentially, um, if QPR and Burnley don't get wins this weekend, they're done. They're finished. And even if they do, they might be done and finished anyway, um, depending on what else happens. But running the numbers, it became pretty quickly apparent that 37 points looks like it's going to be safety this year. Yeah, and and this weekend, I mean, we'll get we'll, – I guess we'll get to the fiction bit. But, yeah, 37. Looked like the line was going to be lower earlier in the year, but – Teams have picked it up lately. Really, yeah, no really kidding. It, I mean, we've been saying for ages that it would be 34. Yeah, and I, I thought it would be. Maybe, I mean, if Sunderland loses out, it still could be 34. But Yeah, it could be, but I, I think now the way teams are playing, 37 looks more likely. Um, the good news for Aston Villa, though, is um, at this point, even if they lose out, they need Sunderland, Hull, Leicester, and Newcastle to all play better than they do. Yeah, and that's just really, really unlikely. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Villa don't have to be the best. They have to be the best of those, or they have to be the not worst of those five teams. Exactly, and even though even though they are just two points above Sunderland and one goal better off, Sunderland in 18th, of course, just last drop spot. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't see Sunderland making up that gap, Mm-mm. especially because Villa's fixtures aren't impossible. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. I can't see Villa losing out at this point. Um, you, you could almost envision 
the way they played against Everton, you could almost envision Villa winning out, actually. Yeah, I mean, if they if they continue to play like that, I mean, Southampton away is always going to be tough, but West Ham and Burnley home are both very winnable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, especially a Burnley team on the final day that could already be sunk. What and and Philip Park roaring and looking for Sherwood to take a bow on the last day. Yeah, and looking for a Grealish hat trick, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, with even if even if we don't have to play a first choice eleven against Burnley. Yeah, exactly. Give give the team a nice send off into Wembley the following weekend. Yeah, make sure Benteke doesn't get hurt. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but it's it's one of those things that I. I mean, I think we could win out. I think there's the possibility that Villa end on forty four. I think more likely is the fact that Villa could, and I almost would put a bet on it, end on forty one. Yeah, forty. I think forty-one is fairly likely as well. But two wins and a loss from the last three, I I could see that happening very easily. Yeah, and I mean, I guess um, it's it's really kind of relieving after we've been worrying for all this time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not ready to exhale quite yet, but I'm getting much much closer. Yeah, Saturday Saturday could be the day. Um, yeah, absolutely. If they win Saturday, I think, especially if some of the other results go our way. For instance, if Sunderland lose on Saturday and Villa win, then I'm going to exhale. I, I will I will say okay. Yeah, and I mean, this weekend, or sorry, on Saturday, Sunderland are playing Everton. That's the early game, so. Yeah, we'll at know. Everton. Yeah. Um, you know, Everton looked like junk against us, but their form lately at Goodison Park has been great. Um, and Sunderland have been terrible, with few exceptions lately. So yeah, home or away, probably lose that. And yeah, exactly. Everton before before the game against us, they'd won five out of six and drawn the other one. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just been their away form that's haunted them this season. And even even though they played poorly against us, they still almost got a point. Yeah, exactly. So I. Uh, I expect they should beat Sunderland. Um, elsewhere, we've got Leicester uh, hosting Southampton. I expect nothing out of Southampton after they lost to Sunderland. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, the way Leicester have been playing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hull City Burnley. I think we want Burnley to win. I think so too, because I don't think Burnley saved themselves here. And if they win, they keep Hull City right in the thick of things. Yeah, and even even with three wins in a row, Burnley. Probably still won't pass us, even if we, unless we lose all three by a few goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it would take. So I'm actually rooting for Burnley there. Um, I I don't want them having anything to play for on the last day, so I want them to win this weekend and lose the next. But yeah, I mean they can still lose next week and have 29 and, going yeah. into the final day and be dead. Very dead. Right. Even if they have 29 in that final day, they're guaranteed relegation. Mm-hmm. So and Queens Park Rangers, they're at Manchester City, and Man City are pretty good at home. So yeah, uh, and, and I don't QPR expect on the road. Yeah, and I don't expect QPR to play like Villa did at City. Yeah, it, I mean, the weird one could be Newcastle West Brom. I think West Brom they beat Man United. Now they got to forty. They don't really have a lot to play for. Classic Pulis doing nothing once you get to forty, but Newcastle though. I'm. I'm I'm a little bit torn on this one because I want Newcastle to stay in the in the crap. I I want John Carver, who just claimed today that he is the best coach in the Premier League, 
Uh, you know, the man who has gotten nine points from 48 available. Yeah, how how could he say that? I, I literally, he's freaking delusional. Um, but it, I, I kind of want them to lose. I wouldn't mind, I don't know, I don't want to see them drop, but I don't mind seeing them drop. But on the other hand, West Brom are catchable. If they lose to Newcastle, Villa could come, cl- we could leapfrog them. Yeah, maybe you want to root for the draw then. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think just for the sake of keeping teams below us, maybe I'll root for the baggies. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it should be an interesting thing. The nice thing is all of the relegation matches, all the matches we care about are done by uh, by midday on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Don't have to wait for Monday. Yeah. Uh, and, and we got a lovely gift from Arsenal this Monday. Yeah, yeah. So... Thanks to Arsenal for that. Um, now for you, can, you can keep winning for a couple more weeks and then forget how to play football on the day of the cup final. So Yeah, if, if Arsenal had given up even a point to Hull, we would have been in 15th and Hull would have been in 14th. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think we deserved it because Hull somehow beat Liverpool. Yeah, it's true. Uh, which but, was mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that leads us to one of our Twitter questions from Jeff Inglehart at JW Inglehart. Why are the bottom table teams being jerks and winning? Can you somehow make them stop? Uh, yeah, we'd like to. Maybe some some other teams can make them stop this. We can, like, Man City. They, they should be able to stall QPR, really. Yeah. I think, I think this might be the weekend where things turn our way. Uh, yeah. I think I think this might be the weekend where we start seeing some of those jerk teams below us uh, do a little bit better. Or, excuse me, we see those teams do a little bit worse and do a little bit better for Villa. Yeah, yeah, like we saw, I mean, for the past couple weeks, uh, everything was just going against us. Yeah. And Luckily, except our results. Yeah, uh, so hopefully that trend reverses. Uh, this looks like... I mean, this very well could be the weekend where we get the win and everyone else loses and we all breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah, and even though it wouldn't be mathematically confirmed that we're staying up, it it could basically be I mean, mm-hmm. 99% really. But read Robert's post, I guess, if you want all the no. numbers. Um, want the maths. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, Sherwood's got us winning, but... Our other question is discuss the Carlos Heel situation, please, Led. What's he doing? What's he done wrong? From Chad at Chad the Villain, and I'm not really sure what Carlos Heel's done wrong, other than Tim Sherwood just doesn't like him. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Um, the one thing I can see is, you know, we there's been talk about bringing in a uh, Sako from Wolves. I don't get that because you have Carlos Hill here already. He's younger. He does the same thing. He offers the same skill set. Um, and soccer wants massive wages. Fifty thousand a week, which is yeah, crazy. I think, I think Carlos was probably on what thirty or thirty-five. Yeah, something like that, I would imagine. But just ugh. And it's, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we see Hill sold in the summer. I think if so, we can get probably close to the amount we paid for him. He's so young. I don't think he's really hurt his value. He scored a great goal and was playing well under Lambert. I mean, I think the only thing that's that's hurting him is that he was Lambert's last purchase and was 
getting into the team then. But yeah, apparently, exactly. apparently him and his agent set for showdown talks with Sherwood. Yeah, uh, so we'll see what happens there. I feel badly for Hill. It's uh... yeah, I do too. I really like the guy. I thought he played well. And yeah, didn't deserve I... to just be kicked out of the team. I mean, even though Nzogbia has been doing well. Maybe maybe we'll still see heel against Burnley or something. Yeah, that could be. Um, I mean, but the uh, on the flip side of things, as badly as I feel for heel, um, Sherwood's been getting results, so I'm not going to complain. Exactly. You can't mm-hmm. you can't just say, oh, we got to put this guy back in the team. Yeah. No, you do, you Timmy. You you tactics. Timmy actually seems to have figured out tactics. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which is so bizarre. Like he. He's been making all of the right choices lately, tactically, and I don't. It, it's really shaking my view of him. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously an ironic nickname from the start, but. But maybe he is actually yeah. tactics, Timmy. Maybe there's something to it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, someone who he, he won't be able to work into his tactics is going to be Darren Bent, even though him and Gary Gardner have returned from loan. Yeah, uh, you know, there was, there was speculation that maybe Bent gets uh, brought back in. Uh, but Tim Sherwood has told Bent to uh, go on his holidays. He already knows everything he needs to know about Darren Bent. Yeah, uh, what do you think I, of that? I think Darren Bent's Villa career is over. His contract's up at the end of May. And really, I mean, we've, we've paid him a lot. We, who cares? Pay him a little more send him off on his holidays. I was, I was a little surprised to see Sherwood send him off because – well, I get the fact that Sherwood knows what he's getting out of Darren Bent. Um, it can't hurt to have that depth around, I don't think. No, I mean, with, with Kozak still out, I think Sherwood's not a big fan of Vyman. Mm-hmm. But it actually may be something, Sherwood may be doing something for the dynamic. You know, there was rumor that when Bent left in January or in February on loan that, you know, other players on the team kind of hated the guy. And exactly. they, yeah, you can't blow up the dressing room. Yeah, maybe, maybe the idea is things are going well right now. It's not worth it to bring him back. No, no matter, I mean, really, no matter what he could offer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that makes some sense. Gary Gardner, unfortunately, uh, is not eligible to come play for us again. Played this for season. too many teams. Pardon? He played for too many teams. Yeah, played for too many teams. Didn't get registered in January. So uh, we'll have to wait until next year to see him. But he's apparently training with the team, correct? Yeah, I think it's I think it's good that he's in training, working with the squad because he'll obviously get a run in preseason and maybe maybe have a chance to be a squad player next year. Yeah, and absolutely, and he had a great year with Nottingham. Uh, yeah, exactly. So at, so, at worst, another loan to the championship, which, and really more importantly, I guess he finished the season without getting injured. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think. The really encouraging thing to me is if is Tim Sherwood being around because again, if there's one thing we know Sherwood does well, it's youth players. Yeah, and Gary Gardner, despite the fact that he feels like he's been around forever, is only what, 22, 23? Yeah, he's he's not that old. He's just been on the verge of breaking into the team for a while and unluckily kept getting injured. Yeah, absolutely. So I I anticipate good things for him next year. Maybe not quite Jack Grealish, but something exciting along those lines. No, and yeah, some maybe sitting on the bench for a lot of games. If someone gets injured, he'll have the chance to step up or keeps keeps performing and training. He'll get a chance. I'm still hoping we see Russian Hepburn Murphy at least one more time this year. <laughs> and Garner, like, 
he just had like two goals of the week, really, too. Two, yeah, like, and he got voted the efforts. Nottingham Player of the Month for yeah. May or April. April, I think. Yeah, yeah, probably April. Yeah, he but, got himself a nice personalized bottle of champagne for it. Yeah, well, he could enjoy that because he, he doesn't have to... <laughs> just just enjoy your bubbly, mate. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Hepburn Murphy, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see him against Burnley when I, we, we don't use Ben I don't know yet. why. I desperately want to see that kid again. <laughs> what, so he just gets out of school? Yeah, exactly. I just kind of want to see a kid who looks like he's 10 running yeah. around on the pitch. Um, but yeah, so Gardner, Gardner back, uh, Bennett back, neither of them are going to be featuring and that's fine. Uh, I don't think at this point we really need them. Um, you know, knock on wood, but the injury crisis seems to be abating a bit. Yeah. I think uh, so. so not a huge deal, but nice to see them back. Nice to see that they both had decent years. Um, Bennett's out of contract this summer, right? I think he's one more year. I think Luna's out of contract this summer. No, Antonio Luna, who has made four appearances this spring with his whatever club he's at. I can't remember. I think he's at Verona. Was it? I thought that was in the fall. Oh, yeah, he could have went somewhere else. Yeah, he's with someone else, and I can't remember who. He's with, do, do, do. I'll tell you in a moment. Antonio Luna, footballer. Not the Filipino pharmacist. Oh, He's no. with Spezia right now. Oh, Spezia, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously not uh, having that great of the spring. But yeah, let's um, let's move on to West Ham. The transfer another three points and Sherwood's Sherwood's first opportunity, and not his first opportunity to win back-to-back league games, but if he does it, it'll be the first time he's won back-to-back league games at Villa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's a real good chance for it too. West Ham... Obviously, had that meteoric rise at the beginning of the year, and uh, now just look like junk. Yeah, still, still in ninth. So I think it's still been an, a pretty good season for the Hammers. A lot of people could have expected to see them around the relegation battle, but yeah, went on a tear in the first half of the year, and despite a bad spring, still ninth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, their uh, their total form lately in their past six matches: two wins, two draws, two losses. Um, which isn't terrible. Two of those wins have come on the... They've had two wins in their last six road matches. Um, so I don't think they're pushovers, but I definitely think this is a winnable match. No, they only beat Burnley 1-0 last weekend, and Burnley have scored one in their last eight, so you kind of knew they weren't going to do anything. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I really feel like we we need to win this, right? Get those three points before you head to Southampton. Feel like you're pretty much safe before you hit those final two matches. Yeah, and give the home fans something to cheer for again because, I mean, they were great last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And and they've had plenty to cheer for. That's that's a really interesting thing. Imagine this match under Paul Lambert. Do you have any confidence at all? No, but that's because we would have lost it. Yes. Yeah. We would be guaranteed down. Yeah, exactly. We'd already be relegated at this point. Um but it, it, you feel confidence coming into this match. This feels like something that, you know, we can expect to win. Yeah, I, I think so. Just, I mean, just because of the way we've been playing. Yeah. I think we have, we have the confidence that really Sherwood's probably telling them they could beat anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, remember, lads, you just, you, you beat Everton, you nearly beat Man City, you beat Liverpool, uh, West Ham, you beat Spurs. West yeah, Ham should not West be a Ham. problem. Yeah. 
Um, just don't give up stupid goals, please. Yeah, not not more than one, anyways. I think the thing is we can overcome one under like again under Lambert. It was once once they got one. It's just uh, now we have to score one just to draw. We're never going to score two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? You know what was it? Twelve goals in twenty-five matches or something like that. Yeah. No, Sherwood's got what fourteen. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen in his ten matches. Um, it's you feel like the goals will come. You feel like the way this team is playing, they should be able to break down West Ham. I mean, there's worries about players like Stuart Downing. Um, who's going to probably get booed roundly every time he touches the ball. Yeah, I mean, deservedly so. But and then again, he did make us $20 million and was horrible at Liverpool. He's had a good season at West Ham, though, eight assists. Yeah, he's he's looking more like the Stuart Downing we thought we had given to Liverpool. Yeah, and we'll see James Collins, so that's funny. <laughs> so that's funny, period. But, yeah, but West Ham, though, they'll be missing Andy Carroll and Diaz Fisaco, their top two strikers for injury. So they've had a switch to a four-two-three-one now with just Enter Valencia up top, and he's a pretty good striker as well. He is, but I definitely someone that Villa can contain. Yeah, um, and not he's, he's no he's no Lukaku, and we had no trouble with Lukaku. Yeah, and Carroll really really physical, and Carroll one of those players that you always think is going to score against Villa. Yeah. Um. So having him not around is kind of a nice thing. And, yeah, they'll be playing, uh, what, 18-year-old Reese Burke at center back again since Winston Reed is injured. What kind of a, what kind of a team plays a teenager as a starter? Yeah, I mean, at center back. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's worrisome. You, but... you can get away with it in attack. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, maybe that kid will show us something. But I just prepare to have his confidence crushed by Christian Benteke. Yeah, I mean, he's learning from the best in his partner, James Collins. So <laughs> Here's how you score, lad. I thought we were supposed to put it in the other goal, James. Nope, this one does just fine. It's opposite day. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy the idea of uh, Jack Relish going up against another teenager. Yeah, for once, it won't be the, the old men of Hull kicking him, you know. <laughs> uh, so... I don't know. Like like Villa Review said, I don't really watch West Ham because why would you if you had well, a choice to do otherwise? I mean, they're like NBC's never going to put them on, you know. No. Really. Um, and you're never going to seek them out as the team. Well, I want to watch that replay. Yeah, exactly. Like if if it's on, eh, whatever. Yeah, it's it's soccer. It it resembles what we know as football. It's on. But but yeah, uh, I. I'm going mostly on Villa's form right here. I think they're they're tearing things apart, and they know that safety is within the hair's brain. I think they would love to have that Burnley match be meaningless so they don't have to worry about it and can focus on that FA Cup final. Yeah, I, th I think so. And, I mean, it, I think G Gabby probably, although maybe he could come back this week, he could get a rest again just because I think we need it. we're going to need him for the final, and you just you can't risk another injury. Yeah, absolutely. Keep him out for a while. You know, just keep him – give him 15-minute substitute appearances. Yeah. Just so he keeps his legs under him, but don't don't try him too much. Um, because, you know, against Arsenal, you we may need quick, fast goals out of nowhere. Yeah, and we may need subs who can last into extra time, unlike Joe Cole. At, I mean, because that, that's really a worry, but – God. 
Flipping Joe Cole. Uh, he looked so happy coming onto the pitch the other day, though. Yeah, I mean, I think when he comes on, he comes on and we're, we're just going to win because that's that's why he's on when nothing's really at stake. Yeah. Uh, I, I find it hard to dislike Joe Cole. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know how you could really. Like, I dislike the fact that he gets used, but I don't dislike him. <laughs> no, and I mean, if if he's just being a mentor for Grealish, he earned his money. Yeah, absolutely. If, if that's what he's been doing, if that's what made Grealish flip the switch, then keep Joe Cole around again. Yeah, and if if he scores against his old team West Ham, that's just hilarious. It'd be glorious. I would love it. Um. But, of course, we don't do predictions, but neither of us would be shocked to see Villa do well. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think anyone would be, really, but therefore West Ham probably nuke us like 5 nil. It's just stupid. <laughs> the dumbest match ever. God damn it. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that's all we have for you. This week on the whole cast, remember, still on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, YouTube, and we'll have everything for you on Saturday for the match set. Normal time, 3, um, three England time, uh, 10 Two. on the East Coast. Um, so, yeah, for Robert Lintot, I've been Jack Grimsey. Thanks for listening or watching to the whole cast. <laughs>